Good to see everybody. Let me turn this on. As you see on the board, I will be speaking concerning Behold the Blood of the Covenant. And that phrase is found in Exodus 24 and 8. And we'll be reading that later on in the, in the service. The title refers to the blood of the first covenant. And you know, the blood is something that's, oh, it's, it's deep. It's highly, it's mighty. It's most powerful. It's heavenly. It's very, very spiritually. These thoughts that God had in bringing out the blood. It lies at the very root of both covenants, but especially the new covenant. The difference between the two covenants is the difference between the blood of Jesus and the blood of beast. And Jesus is the lamb that was sacrificed for us. The power of the new covenant is measured by the worth of the blood of the Son of God. When a person is within the covenant of the Lord, he will have peace. He will have forgiveness of his sins. And he will have power over the world. And this is what Jesus, his precious blood, gives us. I'd like for you to read... Leviticus 17 and 11, it says, For the life of the flesh of the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You see, right at the beginning, we understand the life is in the blood, and it has a marvelous power within the blood. I was going to have this... Uh, name this the uh, the power of the blood but I ran across this phrase behold the blood of the covenant if we go to prayer with this if you pray let us pray this to know fully what the new covenant means to us and let us beseech God to make known to us the worth and the power of the blood of the covenant, the precious blood of Christ. The first covenant was a type or a shadow of what was one day to become reality. Who could possibly conceive of such a thing as this? It's, it passes our understanding that eternal Son of God would take on flesh and blood and then shed that blood as the blood of the new covenant, not merely to ratify it, but open the way for it and to make it possible for the redemption of mankind. In John 10 and 10, it says, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly that they may have life, a good life here on earth, but have it more abundantly 
would be something greater, to have a spiritual life, a life that we are on the hilltops living and loving God and a life that will be forever and forever. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, 11 through 15, is a, a lot of this, I'm going to just read it kind of like an introduction because there is so much to say about the blood and the covenant and, and all the things that they have. I guess if I covered it all, I'd have to cover the whole Hebrew letter, you see. But here it is, Hebrews 9, 11, and 15. I want just to read it and keep these things in mind. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation, not with blood of goats and calves, but with the, his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purity of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Well, what is this covenant? What is a covenant? I think we all know what a covenant is. A covenant is a promise it can be a contract, a binding agreement between two parties. Let's first look at the covenant made to Abraham. And a reiteration of this is found in Genesis, the 15th chapter. Oh, I guess maybe 10 years ago, I had this lesson. I gave it here. And I know some of you remember it because I didn't know what I was talking about too much at the time. But throughout the years, I have learned a lot, and I've learned a lot from you on the subject here in Pearland. I'm not going to read the whole chapter of uh, Genesis the 15th, but I'm going to give you the scene. The scene is, the scene would look as, to us as very gory, five bloody animal carcasses on the ground, three of them split with the halves separated. And I think I have this on. Three of them split in half with the halves separated and short distance from each other. But in Abraham's time, It would not have been so gory or terrifying. The arrangement of different animal carcasses would have been instantly recognized as the setup for making a type of blood covenant. Two parties would meet together between the halves and make a binding agreement. 
when God called Abraham out of his hometown and away from all things familiar, he gave Abraham some promises. And the 15th chapter of Genesis reiterates the covenant God had made with Abraham. However, at this time, God graciously reassures his promises with a visual of his presence. So I'm going to read now from Genesis, beginning with the 17th verse of the 15th chapter. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning bush, and burning starch. You know, that reminds me of the burning bush that Moses saw in the presence of God. That's a burning bush. This is a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between these pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And back up to page uh, the two, two fifteen, we found here in the 12th verse, uh, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And Genesis, the 15th and the 13th verses says, Then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, and serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. You remember the Egyptian bondage of 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possession. And they did. Silver and gold and things of this nature. However, at this time, God graciously... Uh, oh, I'm at the wrong place. Not only was there great possessions there, God uh, promised Abraham the whole, the promised land, and he names all the, the uh, for his descendants, and he names the nations that they would conquer. And I didn't read that, but I think we all understand what happened there. It goes on to say in the 15th verse, now, as for you, you shall go to your father in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And you see, all of this came about. So God graciously reassures his promise with a visual of his presence. What was it? A smoking oven and a, and a torch. Thus God, and no listen to this, thus God passed through the pieces of dead animals And the covenant was sealed by God alone. Nothing depended upon Abraham. Everything depended upon God. 
who promised to be faithful to his covenant. And we can read this and is, as it is in Hebrews 6 and 13th chapter. So we have a covenant that was a blood covenant and very gory, but very powerful. Now then, we'll fast forward several hundred years to an affirmant, affirming of this covenant to Exodus the 24th chapter. And this will be a type or a shadow of the real that is coming. And the real will be when we affirm that covenant that God made, that beautiful gospel of Christ. Exodus 24, 1 through 8, listen. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. So they were to come and to worship afar off. But the second verse tells what Moses to do. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh. Neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people, evidently Moses had received the word of God. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillows according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, peace offerings, uh, offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read to the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath said, we will do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. Look at this situation here. He sprinkles this blood on the people and he says, this is the words he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. <clears throat> the shadow becomes reality. The shadow becomes reality in Christ who fulfilled all the Old Testament blood covenants. There was a many of them, different types of, co- uh, different types of sacrifices, and the one covenant here, another covenant was with uh, David, that his throne would be, uh, he would sit on his throne forever, and, or his throne would be forever. And then the new covenant covers all of it. He fulfills, Jesus fulfills all of the covenant. And he fulfilled it with his blood. Christians can be confident 
that the gift of eternal life that God gives through Jesus is the true promise to people of faith. As the Apostle Paul explains, the covenant was established with Abraham and his seed, singular. Paul interprets this as the singular person of Christ. Galatians 3 and 16, it says, now, the, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed. And who is that? Christ. Therefore, all who are in Christ are spiritual heirs of the promise made to Abraham. In Galatians 3 and 29, it says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're beginning to look and see how great that first covenant was. It goes for many, many years, thousands of years, and finally comes to Christ, he being the seed that the promise would be made and be fulfilled with. Questions. So how does these realities come about in our personal lives? Well, I think we all know this. Romans 6 and 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And he says, no, you're not. And I put a little stop there. I wanted to talk about that phrase there. When I read that, no, you're not. What does that mean? That means that he's going to talk about something that maybe they didn't quite understand when they were baptized. Maybe they, had, uh, they knew that Jesus died for them and rose the third day. He shed his blood for them. Maybe they fell in love with him, wanted to and they knew that they uh, were to give their life to him. And so he, Jesus says to be baptized, and they were baptized. So listen to what he says about that, though. Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. And you know that's where he shed his blood in his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. All right. <clears throat> now look at the 17th verse. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Notice that form of doctrine. It's a form of what doctrine? The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. First uh, Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, remember. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. It's symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection, the cross of Jesus. He says, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Well, this is what we do. 
Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world and preach this gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. It's found in Mark 16 and 16. Believes. What does it mean to believe? Well, you have to know Jesus to believe. You have to understand his words to believe. Remember, there was a time Jesus said this. He said, don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I've told you to do. So we have to know what he said. We have to hear him and see what he's done for us and believe that he did does. He said in Luke 9 and 24, you remember that? Take up the cross and follow me. And they were to deny themselves. They had to believe that that's what they had to do. And they had to then give their life to the Lord and let the Lord be their Lord and follow him the rest of their lives. Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that's what they had to truly affirm with their baptism, that they truly believed that he died for them and shed his blood for them. So let's go back to the original question. How do those realities come about in our personal lives? We go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and the 18th verse. And we read this. Therefore, and I, I want to just, this is kind of a review of what we read in uh, Exodus, the 24th chapter. But Paul, the Hebrew writer, here gives it to us in a nutshell. So I just want to read it for a review. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hossop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Moses was using the covenant, the blood, to affirm the covenant. We affirm the blood covenant of Jesus when we're baptized. We acknowledge what Jesus did for us on the cross because it is symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection. It's a form of the doctrine. We, and God then in turns acknowledges us. And so when we do that, I'm going to go back to that one. When we do that, we... You acknowledge that he's your Lord. You acknowledge that you have given your life to him. You repent. You're baptized. And you serve him and do his will. And um, so 
So let's go to uh, the first conversion, the first example here of uh, uh, people being converted and affirming the, co the covenant. And remember, the apostle Peter preached, was commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And so he gives this first gospel sermon on, on in the second chapter of Acts. And then when they heard this sermon, they said they were pricked at their hearts and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They believed. They knew what had happened and they believed. And Peter tells them in the 38th verse, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there were about 2,000 souls that did this that very day, and they affirmed the great covenant, the shedding of the blood upon the cross. In Romans 8 and 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And we... Today, we still confirm the covenant in our daily lives. How do we do that? Well, listen to this verse in John 6 and 53. Jesus said to, to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of God, man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. When do we do that? When do we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood? Well, this is a symbolic saying. We do it by memory. We remember. I know early in the morning we can have a new beginning every day. And when you're with the Lord in the morning, by you and yourself, I know I do, I remember what a blessing it is to be a child of God and what Jesus did upon the cross, shed his blood. And I want to praise and give him glory for it. My remembrance of that, that's what it means. We remember, we take in the blood, we drink uh, and eat of the bread of life and drink of his blood when we remember what he did for us in this life. And so we are affirming the covenant in our daily lives every day. That precious blood is with us every day, continually cleansing us from our sins. I'd like to discuss the power of the blood. Remember, there's a phrase here in the 38th verse of Acts 2, we read it a while ago, where it says, uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And your acknowledgement or your confirming of the precious cross of Jesus and what he did for you and what he will do for you in this confirm, in confirming it. He's then, you acknowledged him, he acknowledges you. And the very nature uh, uh, of this, of arising from the watery grave 
of baptism to rise a new life is very prompt and real good for the Holy Spirit to come into your life because you're going to have a new life. You're going to have a new spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit, God can give the Holy Spirit anytime he wants to, and God can forgive sins anytime that he desires at any time. But we do know that when we confirm our, the, the gospel, affirm the gospel in obedience to him and obeying in baptism, we do know that he's going to acknowledge us and give us the gift of the Holy Spirit every time. And look what the Spirit does. Look at the power that it has. In Romans 5 and 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Who was given to us? He's a, a person, the third person of the Holy Spirit, or maybe the first, I don't know how they ordered their theory, is God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit ushers, uh, the blood of Jesus ushers, uh, uh, ushers in this Holy Spirit. And what does it do? It sheds love in our heart, gives us that agape love, gives us a love that's, uh, that's, that's above all kinds of uh, any love that a mankind could ever have. So this is what he has given to us, a love for Jesus. And we do all things in the name of the Lord and give our whole lives to him and all things become new to us and we're following him in everything because he's the creator of all and he's the Lord of all. In 1 Corinthians 15, 2 through 4, listen to this. By which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for, the, for our sins according to the Scripture. Keep in memory. And every time we keep in memory, that precious blood is working. It's working in our life. When we have the Lord's table, the first day of the week, it's the purpose of the blood for us to be strong and give us strength and give us love. And we show his death till he comes. And we are affirm affirming the great covenant of the Lord. Before I go to the last verse, I just want to say something about the power of how all of this comes about. It's, it's mind-boggling to know that the promise was given to Abraham many, many years ago. The importance of that, that promise and that covenant is so great. It covers, it was for many, many years that it covered and that his seed would be Jesus Christ that came maybe, I don't know, 4,000 years later, you see. That seed was placed in a virgin, Mary, just think, from Abraham to Mary and the seed and that baby was the seed of Abraham. 
Today, we can be the seed of Abraham. That's where it all began. And the Gentiles can do this. People of all nations, if they are conformed to this covenant, the new covenant, the shed blood, and obey the wonderful gospel, then we can be the seed of Abraham and have that eternal life and that eternal inheritance. That's how powerful this precious blood is. And I have a, a reading here in Revelations 1 through 4, this reading, and I think it's, it's good just to know what has happened and what will happen in the future. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We don't, we don't uh, stop with, before we offer an invitation. Those that may want to obey the gospel or have, want the prayers of the church, you may come as we stand and sing the invitation song.